Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Violet's blue. Everything is content. We love pop culture. So, so do you. Oh, that's too. good. So I think that's good, and we'll say it all together. I'm Beth. I'm Rachera. And I'm Anoni. Roses are red. Violets are blue. Everything, Everything is, is content. content. And we're bringing it to you. Oh, love is still in the air after Valentine's Day. This podcast is us pulling back the arrow on Cupid's bow and piercing the heart on the cultural conversation. On today's episode, we'll be discussing. The show that everyone cannot stop talking about, Netflix's sensational one day. Do not worry, we will not give you any spoilers. Before we get started, make sure you're subscribed and that you follow us on Instagram at everythingiscontentpod so we can keep up with you between episodes. I thought I'd give you a quick heads up that you may hear some spicy language in this episode. So don't say we didn't warn you. Now, enjoy. Okay, girls, what have you been loving this week? So I actually watched Iron Claw over the weekend and I really want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Have you have you girls heard of Iron Claw with Zac Efron? I've seen the trailer. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen the trailer. I've seen the pictures of them all. So I know who's in it. I don't really know anything else. Okay, so Iron Claw. I didn't realise this, but it's a real story of a wrestling family called the Von Eriks. And I don't really, I don't really have any business with wrestling. I don't really care too much about it, but... I really enjoyed the film. It's not my top film from the past year, but it's definitely up there. And I think Zac Efron was actually amazing in it. He kind of was one of those performances where at the beginning, you're not really focusing on him. And then throughout the story, you kind of realize that he's the anchor for all of it. And you're only staring at him. Is it one of those films that with the knowledge of it being true, it makes it a million times better? Or would it be a good film even if it wasn't true? That's a really good question. I... I didn't know it was real. I still enjoyed it. Then finding out it was real brought it up a thousand percent for me. I kind of love it more when it's that way, when you enjoy a film and then you find out afterwards it's a true story. Because when you go into it knowing it's true, it's not as exciting as finding it afterwards. So yeah. you would recommend a watch? I would recommend it. It's it's quite long. It's quite, I don't know, my boyfriend started tuning out and I get that. But I think it is well worth a watch because the story itself is kind of insane. And also one thing I will say is it was quite hard to get over Zac Efron's physicality. Because have mm-hmm. you seen how absolutely stacked he is? I've just seen their hair, which is quite distracting. I've not yes. looked at their bodies. It's really, really distinctive, like Lord Farquaad cuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's absolutely hideous. It looks more like it's going to be like a Magic Mike type film from your face. I'm, I'm guessing it's not. Um, it's the greasy bodies, very yeah. hench greasy bodies, men bodies men bodies greasy bodies <laughs> girls it's really sad oh okay it's, right. like, it's to... like a real real sad film so please don't go and think it's magic mike because i feel like personally like i'm to blame if you think that and then cry by the end <laughs> oh okay i might go and see that I need, yeah. something. I need to cry more i am interested in it what is the actual premise <laughs> so yeah so it's based on this wrestling family it's um without going too much into spoilers it's just a classic sports story of following this family where all of them get into wrestling they have a dad that's pushing them, pushing them, pushing them 
too far and it's following the kind of tragedy and the trauma of that family setup basically and it's got Jeremy Allen White from The Bear. Yes, of it's course. It's got the guy from Triangle of Sadness. Can't remember his name. <gasps> Callum Turner. No. No. That was Julia's boyfriend, sorry. <laughs> Harris Dickinson is his name. Mm-hmm. And Lord Farquaad himself, Zac Efron, with the little brunette hair. Yeah, really good lineup. And all of them doing a really good job of presenting the family. I will say it is a lengthy one, as I said before. So if you don't like kind of meandering stories, the reason why it is meandering is so much happens to this one family. You can't, you can't cut any of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I definitely want to see That's that. That's a great recommendation. Anoni, what have you got for us? I've actually been watching Criminal Record on Apple TV, Ooh. which is new this year. I think it started coming out in January and it's basically your UK-based police drama. It's got Peter Capaldi, Kush Jumbo and... It's just, it's quite a hooky one and it is like a police drama, but it's, it's like more highbrow than your Happy Valley, I would say, although I loved Happy Valley so I've never much. watched it. <gasps> I've never watched that. I, I know. need to watch, oh my God, are you guys joking? I so know. So no. I hadn't watched it either and then someone recommended it to me and it was one of those ones where I didn't go to bed for about three weeks or no, two days. I oh, literally great. watched all of the episodes. It's on BBC. Why is it so good though? Because I don't understand. We've had so many cop dramas. It feels like there's not a shortage of cop dramas. Why was that good? So Sarah Lancashire and James Norton, I mean, Sarah Lancashire performance alone she's like the main protagonist policewoman she is unbelievable James Norton is this gorgeous awful criminal that they've had this like long-standing knowledge of each other it's basically one of those things that leaves everything on such a big hook that you actually can't like you almost would have to stop watching it 15 minutes before the end mm. if you didn't want to watch the next episode you'd because watch, you yeah. can't bear like the, the cliffhanger that it leaves you on is, is too good but anyway would recommend but back, back to criminal record <laughs> Apple TV Sat in London, basically what happens is there's this 909 call and it's a woman on the phone, but she won't give over any details. And she's like calling about a domestic abuse situation and it kind of reopens up this case, which has been previously been solved. So it's just like a good, and Peter Capaldi, I love. I do too, yeah. Yeah. So Beth, what have you been loving? I've been loving Fluffy, the alligator snapping turtle. Excuse me? The the dinosaur, the Pokemon. I'll show you a picture, you won't believe this guy is real. He was found in Cumbria, which is not where they're native to. I think they're mostly found in Florida. He was living by a lake. Um, and it's quite concerning because they're quite dangerous. Yeah. I mean, they look oh. like creatures from the pit of hell. Um, and they can break your arm with, like, they can bite fingers off. They what? can do damage. This so, one was like a, a baby one, apparently. Right. But it was still God, he's horrible revolting. for a baby. Yeah. I saw it on the BBC and then there was loads of comments on Twitter from people from the US being like, that's not even a big one. You should see how big they get. But they had to basically take it out, like fish it out because mm-hmm. Fluffy would have eaten like everything in the ecosystem and <gasps> then gotten so big. Oh my And it gosh. says like he's obviously was used to the, the climates or built for the climates of Florida, but he's doing okay despite living in Cumbria, which is pretty cold at this time <laughs> a bit yeah. different says he's gonna be moved to a specialist wildlife center in cornwall so a happy ending when i saw the video it looked like he was dead because he was so still and his mouth was really open and he's like really spiky anyway i was like reading all the comments and everyone was like is he dead and then someone you know there's always someone who knows they were like no he's just really angry and when they're angry real. they keep their mouth open oh my god i do something similar i just he just doesn't look like a thing like, have you seen that tweet this week where it was like David Attenborough going through the animals and he sees one. He's like, don't like that one. Skip it. Skip that one. That's <laughs> what I feel about Fluffy. I'm like, skip that one. Just, I don't ever want to hear from him again. I really do enjoy how basic the level of humour of calling him Fluffy. Because also that is what Hagrid calls the three-headed dog in, in Harry Potter. Oh, it's a Harry Potter reference. Yeah. I like it less now. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. 
been a very romantic week. We've had Valentine's Day. We've had Pancake Day, which is obviously also full of love because I love pancakes. And it's been Galentine's Day, which happens on the 13th, the day before Valentine's Day. I love Galentine's Day and I celebrate this and I am tired of the slander. What's the slander? Tell me. I have seen two tweets this week. <laughs> two tweets? So Bloody insurrection on Galentine's. Honestly, I've seen two tweets making fun of it. I had another group chat with people talking shit about it. And I just feel like, when was it cool to start talking shit about Galentine's Day? So the New York Times released an audio essay this week. Christina Samuelewski makes the case for, and this is her words, doing away with Galentine's Day. She calls it patronising, and she wants to get rid of it. And I could not disagree with her more. Did you guys listen to this slash read anything about this? I haven't. So no, tell me about it. Okay, so her argument is that one, it's like a separate day for celebrating love, which we can do on the 14th, whether we're coupled up, whether we're single, um, we're celebrating it before the big day. So it's kind of like inconvenient. It's like separating the two. And that also it's like all the worst things about like patriarchy, feminism. It's It's kind of for single women to feel treasured on a day. And that she just doesn't really feel empowered by it. But I just don't think that's the point. I don't think it's there to be empowering. It's it's hang out with your mates. Do you know what else is funny? First of all, it's not just single women. I think all friends Mm. now like use Galentine's Day as a day to hang out with each other. But also when you see women celebrating each other for Galentine's Day, it's always we're in each other's houses. We're eating sweets. We're like painting each other's nails, brushing (laughs) each other's hair. We're telling each other we love each other. It, the commercial side actually comes in when it's like heteronormative relationships where you like yeah. are going out for a nice meal or buying each other cards or presents. I actually think women do Galentine's Day as friends. The girlies, the gays and the theys mm-hmm. take this holiday seriously. And as much as I do want to be appreciated on Valentine's Day because, well, I'll get FOMO. Yeah. <laughs> I do not believe in it, but we better have plans. <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise I'll I, be sad. I, I agree more. completely. I think... I'll do both. And I think she, the point that she makes at Galentine's Day is a sort of like tacked on at the beginning as like it's less important. I'm like, one, if it's the 13th, the restaurants and the bars are not going to be as busy. Mm-hmm. You know, also, if, you're, if you've got a partner and you still want to celebrate with your friends, you can just have two separate nights. I don't get why this is so deep. Like, I don't understand why people having fun on this day means that you have to say it's not empowering for yourself. It just isn't that deep to me. And I think it's a, she makes an interesting point and And... I, I kind of like respect her right to say it and I'm sure people will agree. I just couldn't disagree more. As someone who's celebrated Galentine's Day, whether I've had a boyfriend, whether I haven't, it's just an excuse to like go out with my mates. Like my housemate and I have lived together for six years. We have gone out, I think most years. On the 13th, we get dressed up, any excuse. And I just don't think, we're not being pandered to. We're sort of just deciding we love each other. Mm. We're having a little night out. It's also not like a serious thing. It's definitely no. like kind of silly. And yeah. there was some pushback about the idea of the word Galentine's, again, being like silly or infantilizing. And it's like sometimes women just want to be girls. We're girls. Isn't gals. Isn't there Palentine's? Have I just made that up? Yeah. I think that is the thing as well. Because yeah. Galentine's Day was invented by Leslie Snoop. Knoop. What was her name? Le- Leslie, Leslie Nope of Parks and Rec. <laughs> Les- um, <laughs> Leslie Knoop. <laughs> Yes. Where did I get Canute from? I honestly don't know. I think it's spelt like Leslie Nope with a K, (laughs) who is the protagonist of Parks and Rec. And so she invented this in like 2010, which is like it's a long time to be celebrating this gorgeous day. I forgot Mm. that it was her, to be honest, that had invented it. I think it's got nicer origins than Valentine's Day, which kind of feels like really commercialized like that I can see having a problem with. Yeah. A little day to like kiss your friends on the face. No, no problem. Get a um, real problem. One thing I was thinking about this year is I feel like I recognized in myself that I used to be quite snarky about Valentine's Day. I don't know if it's like me 
realizing that part of me was kind of pick me about Valentine's Day because I realized that basically my partner's birthday is on Valentine's Day so I have this reason that to celebrate him and like celebrate love blah 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 that isn't exactly Valentine's Day specific and like part of my brain was like oh I get to be really smug that I'm like doing something on this day and it's not Valentine's Day and I caught myself and I was like that's actually quite snarky like why do I think that and then I had to realize that I think there was this kind of teenage version of myself that Mm. thought I was better than Valentine's Day and I'm actually not like it's a really sweet day I think it is kind of like a bit of internalized misogyny like every boyfriend I've ever had is always like oh I don't really care about it if you want to do something and I used to try and be like okay and I'm like no let's just do exactly what it's for which is like you don't have to buy Mm. the Clinton's card. <laughs> you don't have to buy I was trying to think what the English equivalent of a, of a Hallmark is. Because we don't, do we have Hallmark here? No. No. Clinton's cards, which I also don't know if that exists. I think anymore. that's probably administration. Oh. Um, Scribbler is where I would go for yeah. all of my cards. Paper the best, chase? In my opinion. I think Scribbler's better. Also, oh. the paper chase then may close down. I thought it? paper chase was gone. I, I went to paper chase today to get some wrapping paper. I think you went back in time, love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! You went in the wormhole. Oh my god! Yeah, this is it. You don't have to do. You all don't of have that. to do anything. It's just like an excuse to be like, maybe I'll, you know, and in kiss this cold face world, with my tongue. or go on a date. It's always nice to have an excuse to go on a date. Yeah, exactly. I'm not really moved by Valentine's Day, but I love to see other people do it. I love to see men write cute captions. I love the whole like spectacle of it. I'm just not bothered. Mm-hmm. I love anniversaries, but either way, it is just you're tacking onto the year in this cold, hard world. A moment, a day to be like. Love is real. I've got some in my life, whether it's your friends or your yeah, partner. I love that. Me and my friends were actually talking about this the other day when I saw them my school friends. At our school, you could buy like roses, like guys would buy roses for the girls. Same, yeah. And literally like in Mean Girls, you know, when they handed out <gasps> the candy canes, they would come around and drop off the roses on your desk. So you'd Stop. be in a class with all your friends and like four of the girls might get roses and there was always like one girl in a class that would get like five mm-hmm. roses. But how wild is that? And you just have to sit there and I remember once like not getting any and then like a geography lesson or something and someone else had four and you just be mortified and like have to pretend that oh. you you were oh fine with that how bad is but that I guess no, there is I'd that cry. element of like competitiveness I remember like I used to when I was like lonely and I would go on Instagram and everyone seemed to have like all these flowers and stuff and obviously now I know that uh, that doesn't signal a good relationship but there is an element of like outdoing each other yes which I remember we did the same thing with carnations because obviously I didn't go to as nice a school carnations <laughs> uh, to be um, fair they probably weren't roses they were just red flowers <laughs> um do you think it's still a thing to try and outdo each other on Valentine's Day with like Instagram posts of like, oh, the, the boy did good and like my boyfriend did this? Or do you think we've moved past that kind of trend? I think other people do do that a lot. Like in- you do, especially in celebrity culture. Like how many roses does someone want to send Kim Kardashian this shit? I think buying flowers is lovely. And I do think I love the idea of roses, but I do think these like big displays, I think it's maybe more of like a reality TV star thing, but that does bleed into people finding that aspirational. Mm. Or if your relationship is bad. When I was in my worst relationships, I wanted physical tokens of love that I could show other people to be like, yeah. I am in a good relationship, don't worry. Whereas yes. in good relationships, I'm like so not bothered about that because we've got the, all the good stuff. It's really interesting that that is not a big thing to me anymore. I must say, I love a good card. I really like funny cards. And I really like a thoughtful, quite... I write a card like it's a book. Like Mm -hmm. it's both sides are fully written. I love it. But also cards cost fucking loads of money. Five and a basically for a card. Jesus Christ, where we headed. (laughs) But like we had a little like lunch out today. And I just think like if people looking at that be like, girls out for lunch, Galentine's. Do people really look at that and think sad? Or do they think, well, this is like fun... Like it's a week of love. I don't know. I feel like it's the same thing with Valentine's Day. I feel like people are a bit snarky about it. And I just don't really understand if people enjoy something, why does it either take something away from you or why do you judge it? I don't get Mm -hmm. it. I feel like people talk about 
being in a relationship and being single in like these like absolute ways which is just so silly it's like it's either super empowering or it's disempowering it can just be a thing that people do yes. it can be just like pancake day or a tuesday yes it doesn't have to we don't have to have discourse i know we're doing a bit of discourse now but I we're discussing discourse we're discussing the discourse because everything is content i think <laughs> yeah it's that we, people don't like women we just assume that there must be something else going on like we're commiserating about not having a man we are talking about everything we're talking about space we're talking about war we're looking in each other's ears we're starting businesses we're starting businesses we're (laughs) we're starting podcasts but this is so someone else tweeted every single year i see dudes laughing at the idea of galentines i've never heard of this it's for lonely women when according to studies it's men who are the lonely women so like pick up the phone and call your friends and it's so true because it's like actually men would really benefit from having the kind of relationships that women have it's one of the biggest privileges I think of being like a cis woman in a society where we can all I mean you're all wearing my pajamas yes <laughs> we are yeah we could all be plaiting each other's hair we could cry I could give you a wax if you needed one yeah there is there is like there's nothing women won't tell each other and there's no level of intimacy that we you will find is too far like mm-hmm. obviously depending on person to person and so that's what I think Galentine's Day celebrates is that love between women and I think men are really unlucky that a, when they do get to have it, often it's in a heterosexual relationship where they shy away from it. Or they just don't get it at they all. They don't get it. That is so sad. Hello, I'm Beth, one of the hosts of Everything Is Content. I'm really excited to announce that my new book, Romanticize Your Life, is out now. It's a how-to guide for anyone who wants more romance, joy, and main character energy in their lives. It's full of stories about dating, advice for anxious solo travellers, and tips for making each and every day a little bit brighter. You can buy it now at any good retailer. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. like everyone's been talking about the Netflix adaptation of David Nichols' One Day, starring Ambika Maud as Emma and Leo Woodall as Dexter. The story follows Emma and Dexter, who spend graduation night together. They go on their separate ways, but they kind of remain friends for the next however many years. We keep seeing them on the exact same day across 20 years of their lives. Oh, I've only seen five episodes, but my heart is absolutely shattered already. Have you been watching it? Oh my God, absolutely. Have I, I been watching finished it? it? I finished it the first <gasps> like 
48 hours it was out there's was like, like 14 episodes right have you, have you read the book so you, you've not you've, neither of you finished the series I've read the book and I watched the film haven't read the book have seen the other film with Anne Hathaway and her horrendous Yorkshire accent so bad so you know how it ends yeah do you know what's so annoying is when I was first watching started watching episode one I'd like forgotten and I was just enjoying it and then I suddenly the memory came back to me of when I first read the book I was on holiday with my family in Spain I think it must have been like early teens and I won't give a spoiler in case people don't know what happens at the end but something happens and I just it was like one of those real turning points in my life where I was like I can't I didn't know stories could take that turn Mm -hmm. and hurt you in that way and hurt you in that way yeah it hurts throughout the it's such a beautiful story it's one of the best I think kind of like love arcs ever but it's like real life amazing things happen terrible things happen and I'm exactly the same it came out in 2009 I think I read it that year and that was the year of my first big heartbreak and I was like oh everything's so hard so we would have been like 15 yeah 15 16 yeah I think that's when I read it as well isn't it interesting though like reading at that age and then I reread it again recently reading it at 16 with like my whole adult life ahead of me and now reading it with like some of my adult life behind me I'm like wow that feels different it really hits harder oddly now like the first time I read it I think I did the same as you of like screaming and wailing and being like surely not what reading it now and watching it now I was like oh it hurts in a deeper place Mm, I don't know if you had this but I kept thinking about how it just is kind of like somewhere between a rom-com and normal people mm. in that it has that similar like similar trope of miscommunication between two people who deeply deeply love each other but just cannot get their shit together and just be honest and vulnerable and I don't know it's just like it's interesting that I thought when I was reading Normal People by Sally Rooney wow this is like such a snapshot of like problems we have now but this story was you know from 2009 and the same problems are there people not communicating to each other yeah it's so timeless and I when I was watching this I was thinking how are they go- oh when I was like watching the trailer I was like how are they going to do this because the story's about like a posh white guy and like a working class northern girl like mm-hmm. in 2024 how do you do that without like stoking the kind of culture war a little bit but I think they do it perfectly because it is timeless I think what's clever as well about this being the series is I haven't read the book since the first time I read it but watching the series it's reminded me of how true it is to the book because they've got all this time and every episode is like not that much happens I don't think we get the luxury of that much time for character development anymore normally because shows are like shoved together and even I read a piece that was like David Nichols now says of the infamous Anne Hathaway terrible Yorkshire accent film Mm. that that was a snapshot of the story oh interesting how do you feel Richera about them having cast a brown girl brown woman because I've seen like loads of the responses has been people being really happy about this casting and and seeing themselves in her character as well yeah I mean I thought it was nice that um they gave a bit of her backstory like there's a scene between her and Leah Woodall and instead of just you know like placing her straight in this character they kind of give her some small backstory that her mum was Hindu and her Mm. dad was Christian I remember reading something that David Nichols having seen Ambika in the TV adaptation of This Is Going To Hurt immediately felt like he saw Emma in her and I really like that approach where it's not like I'm going to place this person to get some diversity in here I mean I don't know whether there's more to what he said but feeling that it was genuine and feeling that she encompassed the character feels nice to me and I feel like she really does one thing I really see as well through her version of the character is how snarky she can be mm. and how like she can weaponize her intelligence when she gets like really uncomfortable and really like she's in a place of vulnerability and she's like, oh, I'm just going to put Leo Woodall's character down. 
And I don't think I got that with Anne Hathaway. So I really feel like she really does a stellar job of playing that character. I also wonder if it's because she's British. Like she just taps into that identity more. Do you know what I mean? Maybe, yeah, yeah. And like Anne Hathaway as much. I just don't think she had access to the same level of... Between Anne Hathaway and what's his name, Jim Sturgis, there wasn't that friction because she was like doe-eyed and adoring. Whereas I do think Ambika has this quality to her that makes her like there's something in her that's like very believable yeah but she's really powerfully mm. like she challenges him I think in her like in the way like her physicality the way that like they're physically together it's just so much better because I watched the film this weekend because I was like I need to see it Ooh. so many people love this book so many people love these characters and all I've seen is everyone going that's my Emma and that's my Dexter and isn't that sweet for something that's already been adapted like I don't think you often see something in its second adaptation mm-hmm. over a decade since the story was even created and people going you got it right now. Well, can, I'm, I'm actually bursting. I really want to say that Mr. and Mrs. Smith, also a TV adaptation series that's come out over a decade, I think, after the original. I think it's better. It's so, so good. They've nailed the characters. They've changed up the format. It's not a married couple that's pre-existing, realizing they're spies. It's a different format. I'm not going to spoil it, but I think it's even better than the original. So I think there is something to say about Obviously, you know, reboot fatigue is a real thing, but maybe they've got a point, you know. I agree with the point about reboot fatigue and I haven't felt like this at all. And I do think it's because it gives something so different. I would say it's maybe a little overlong at Mm. seven hours with these characters. I mean, I'm not going to complain about that because it's better than being too little. But I, I, at the end, I thought the pacing was a little bit slower or like it kind of speeds up and then slows down. And I just didn't. That's maybe my only critique of it. I do think as well, it's that the charismatic, inherent, sexy, cheeky, naughty boyness of Leo Woodall's character. And then Amberka Mods kind of exactly what you're saying, Ratura. It's like, she's reserved. You know, she's got all this love and stuff Mm. within her and she has all this feeling towards him, but she's like holding back and can be spiky. And that is just something, I know those two people in my life. I've experienced that man and I know that woman. Do you know what I mean? And do you know what I will say about, I think he, his character is this like rich has always been rich life has been privileged and he's like his life is falling apart and he doesn't quite understand why whereas she's been like she's had to like kind of graft and work and see the world as it really is she wants to change it but she knows what it's really like and as she's like heading into like love romance building a world for herself his is kind of falling apart and it's really interesting to see the reversal of fortunes that they go through like she's a working class girl and she like kind of she gets it and he's like in his mid-20s before he really like is confronted with the way that things actually are, if that makes sense. Yeah. I also think the world building to me feels very true. I feel like the the way that the characters dress, I kind of love the way it's filmed. It feels quite nostalgic. Mm-hmm. And I did like Dolly Alderson's Everything I Know About Love, but I do think these are two are kind of comparable. And One Day for me has, it's got it slightly more right in terms of the note and the tone of the era. Because I wasn't sure about like the set dressing and the costuming I was like is this really it didn't feel anachronistic to me yeah for one day I'm not sure like did people really dress like that in the 80s and 90s I just I wasn't sure about that oh really I thought it was quite I'd like to read more about that because obviously I I was alive at there but I was a kid so I don't really know I'd like to talk to someone who was who maybe got at the same time 88 yeah Yeah. she's yeah she's like a high-waisted jeans I kept forgetting what year it was I just think it it felt very modern the fashion. Right, okay, interesting. Is that awful to say? No. No, it's not awful no, to it's say. You disagree. I actually thought it was really subtle. I think that's what mm-hmm. I liked about it. It's like, I felt like I was been taking through 
time like I could tell that the fashions were changing things were changing but it wasn't being shoved down my throat with like loads of props and loads of time signifiers where sometimes I think it can be yeah like Saltburn which I loved but it was very heavily trying to be like Naughty's nostalgia in your face this whereas this is quite like her hair's a bit different this things is going evolve on. things change because that wasn't the key like the relationships are the main thing the dialogue the way they interact and that was all sublime well in the book I mean they really talk about it being St. Swithin's Day and they really make note of how it's one day every year and this story kind of doesn't necessarily it's obviously called one day and they show you the day but they don't ever really kind of they don't mention it in no. each and every episode, which if I was writing that, I'm quite hampered. But they I'd do in like, the film, don't they? Every single time they're like, it's since Swithin's Day. Yeah, yeah. It's quite subtle because I thought that too watching it. I was like, oh, I know the premise of this whole thing, but it's quite, it's not very obvious, I think. Yeah, I think if you hadn't seen it before, that almost wouldn't even necessarily cross your mind. Mm. It kind of feels like they spend more time together, weirdly, than... In the book, yeah. You kind of aren't, you're not as aware of the negative space in the series it feels like they're seeing each other quite a lot. Whereas in the film, it's like, they really talk about like how they haven't seen each other for a whole year. Mm. And they feel like different people if you watch the first episode or like when they do flashbacks, you're like, wow, you look so different. I have a question. Obviously the story of this was originally written in 2009. A lot of stuff has changed since then. And a lot of the expectations we have of art has changed since then. I'm thinking about all the eat the rich stuff that we have like salt burn. I'm thinking of how normal people was labeled as like, a class you know dissection of romance in the modern age this does talk about class but it's quite subtle between the two characters do you think that the adaptation on netflix has been made to be more political than the original book or do you think it rings true to it do you think it feels any different to i guess normal people i do think what's interesting about this story is like the fact that she's working class from yorkshire and the fact that he's posh is part of the story but it's not like it's just like those characters are so well developed that the differences that do exist between those kinds of people exist and it it doesn't feel like there's a point being tried to be made Mm -hmm. which sometimes happens I think in current writing where Mm -hmm. someone's really trying to talk about class and they try so hard that it creates caricatures Mm -hmm. yeah I think it's it's well acknowledged and we don't and in the book and in the film and the tv series we don't meet her family which is we don't what we know of her background is in her presentation what she talks about in her life and like what she talks about with her family whereas we meet and get to know his his family a lot better which yeah it's just an interesting choice that is also such a posh person thing though like meeting someone's family immediately being invited to the dinner table like straight away it's like and also he probably lives near them because like you know if she's down in london i don't know where his family is set but like but it's like somewhere yeah i remember finding this interesting growing up when i did have friends that were quite posh i found it fascinating that people were always allowed in the house if i had wanted to have someone around it was like a massive ordeal like do you know what i mean to have someone to stay or whatever and it's a very like upper class thing mm-hmm. I know by the way listeners I know I sound really posh but I'm not as posh as you think <laughs> it's a, it's a quite a normal thing to be like people coming and going to lives you know it's very like casual your relationship with your parents is quite adult you're sort of like yeah. they're not as mothering or like as strict not always it's very blanket but I found that that to be really true about his character and I think she even comments on it at one point being like Dexter's like why have I not met my parents and she was like why would you meet my parents because for her she's like why would my parents meet you for I not think like my boyfriend I they've done such a good job then I think that they it never feels like they've shoehorned in it never feels like they've gone issue first then character second yeah. the characters are they are they are of different classes and they meet and they go through all of the usual struggles that two people wanting to be friends and would, would go through if they are from like wildly different backgrounds I just do think it's really interesting how everything that we consume now is you know seen through the lens of how is it commenting on class and with this 
I feel like it's only used to literally, as you said, Anoni, develop out the characters as the people they are. And it's not making a point about class or class division, I think. But is that because Sally Rooney is heralded as some genius because she's writing like as an Irish woman that's commenting on, I don't know, abortion rights and a kind of a changing cultural landscape as Ireland is ever, ever changing and growing. Is it because of that position? Whereas David Nichols is a white man writing a love story. And so he's given the, the freedom to yeah. kind of play about with these characters without receiving that. Same but, and I also do Possibly, think yeah. Sally Rooney does have like an intellectual intention with her writing. Not that David Nichols doesn't, but I, maybe that's also just from how I've been taught, like taught to read her. I feel like that's just people's response to her work as well, isn't it? Where it's like people took her work to be this giant comment on how we live as a generation. Whereas people don't treat one day like that at all. They treat it more like, you know, an intellectual rom-com, perhaps. Thing is, I don't know if the book was treated as an intellectual. I think it was like not a chick flick because he's written other have you read Start of a Ten or any of his other books I've seen the film for Start of a Ten. Oh, I haven't seen the film I loved the book because basically when I read one day I then went I found out that he'd written like loads of other books and I started reading them all he followed me on Twitter actually randomly really? oh my and God. then I never that was like a couple of years ago and I haven't basically tweeted Crazy. since I'm so worried that he'll see like a bad tweet well, can we ask him me. We, can, we can message him and say Just how has your work been interacted with Consumed. versus the work of young female Sorry. novelists really interesting I don't know I've never even considered that point Richera, but no, if there's someone to write the piece on it it's gonna be you oh well commission me <laughs> folks um yeah maybe i'm mad do you see why i'm comparing the two i just couldn't stop i do thinking i about do completely because they're both stories with very similar they're both stories about two people from different backgrounds who you know friends and in love so i just you know why would they be so wildly different i'm not gonna lie i think netflix was dying a death Mm-hmm. This seems to be like I feel like every six months they just have a real yeah winner. so yeah. true and we get obsessed with because I keep going I'm going to delete my Netflix because I have every subscription account and, and then, then this comes. That, yeah I watched this obviously in the blink of an eye I I know everything about it I've seen so many spoilers for this show on the internet with like no context you couldn't avoid them just like gifts of like endings gifts of things that happen I and I thought I've seen so many of them. And I'm just a gog. I think it's such bad manners. And I'm really like... It only came I've out seen, the weekend. I know. And I've seen some people be like, come on, internet. I haven't like, seen any, you know. Give me... I mean, I will say one, because I've interacted with a lot of one day tweets because I watched it. It's showing me more. But Pesky still, algorithm. I think these could come across um, someone's timeline and wreck the whole thing. So I just think that's just bad manners. And if, you know, That did happen agree. to me with traitors. Like, I would... <gasps> yeah. If I didn't watch it on the day, that I was fucked. No, yeah. completely agree. Tag your spoilers, people. Yeah. So if you want to watch One Day, um, all episodes are actually now out on Netflix. So go give it a watch. So did you guys watch the Super Bowl on Sunday? No. no. I did Google what sport it was. I wasn't confident. Have you ever, do you think this is like the biggest it's been? Is that because of she, we cannot speak about her again. I'm sorry on this podcast. Well, yeah, I think we're not going to mention Tay-Tay. Taylor. I think anyone, any one of us who talk about her after this, we have to put a, a pound in the private jet fund. <laughs> I agree. Um, before we begin talking about the Super Bowl, and maybe this is even why we want to talk about the Super Bowl, I want to read out Frankie Boyle's tweet, which I thought was really good. It read... I can't help feeling that what's happening in Gaza is the beginning of the end for all of us. If we can have a genocide live stream during the Super Bowl and say nothing, there's no challenge in the coming years that we won't fail. Mm. And I feel like for us, and maybe for lots of people, one of the biggest takeaways from the Super Bowl was the fact that there were 123.4 million people watching, Mm. talking about it. And at the same time, Israel sort of 
bombing the Rafa crossing. I don't even know if we want to talk about that that much, but I feel like that... I, we can direct people to places to read it because I don't know what we'll have to add to that, but I think it is a really sickening distinction. Any other year, we'd be having a fun conversation about like a sports event, which is basically like a celebrity gala, yeah. but it is that America and the world watched this happening. So yeah. I do think we will talk about it, but it just makes it, it adds a complexity because how can we talk about this like fun celebrity moment when a lot of the celebrities there are like have said nothing a lot of celebrities there like are being worshipped and have sway and nothing's happening I don't know it it feels like insane making I don't know how you guys feel yeah no we have to acknowledge it we absolutely have to acknowledge it It, I think it would feel like we were all kind of losing the plot if we just ignored that this massive Mm -hmm. thing was a part of what's happening with the Super Bowl these two things are intrinsically tied now because of the timing and we have to acknowledge it yeah I think it's really good that we acknowledge that but then talking about like the Americanization of it I think is kind of the fascination with the Super Bowl Mm -hmm. but it's so interesting to me as a concept because it's like what is it I think the first time I became aware of the Super Bowl was was it Lady Gaga that did the massive Lady Gaga did a crazy one yeah yeah how long ago was that? It definitely was pre-pandemic. I want to say like 2018 was Lady Gaga. That might even have been the first time that I've actually watched the Super Bowl When was Beyonce? We had Beyonce and Bruno Mars. I loved, had... but also that was like, it was still a bit more laid back then. I mean, I only watched them. So I've never watched Super Bowl. I expect I never will, but I get all the feed from it the next day. So I'm sort of trying to piece together which year was which because I don't, yes. I couldn't tell you who's played in any given year well, or who's was, won. Well, it's also been just like a massive part of celebrity law and history because remember Janet Jackson, Nipplegate. Oh my God, that was yeah. Justin Timberlake. Yeah, that was a Super Bowl. That was Fudge. the performance. So it's it's always been around. I guess I agree with you, Anoni. It's only been like the last few years it's been at the forefront of my periphery. And I think it's just the internet regurgitating bits and pieces from the Super Bowl in a way that never really would have got to me before I wanted to go back to that Janet Jackson Justin Timberlake things that actually came up on my feed the other day because you know that everyone's hating on Justin Timberlake because of um Britney Spears's book and apparently he's going to do like a tell-all now with Oprah and so I didn't know about this thing where he exposes her breast and so I read this whole thread Mm. then I read this whole other thing where it was like apparently that was an orchestrated part of the move and it was not meant to show her boob it was meant to show like this I've heard but I've also in the aftermath when she was getting all that hey I feel like he said nothing he didn't say a word and that's why I've been a long time Justin Timberlake hater and that's why not because of the boob I didn't know that this had all happened I didn't know that she'd lost jobs isn't that wild how much do we hate women like that she her boobs exposed and she was blacklisted for a decade yep her career was tanked he never said a word also sorry I I've been activated now but um (laughs) did you also hear what happened to MIA when she put the middle finger up as part of her set I can't remember who she performed with I think it was Nikki and somebody else um she put her middle finger up and her career (gasps) also tanked after that because everyone was like she hates the US she should be grateful that she's here and she got that slot she basically said fuck you to America how dare she because it's the most patriotic it's one of the most patriotic which tells us all we need to know about America that a sports event is like this heart and soul but that is wild why would you even accept that gig I guess going forward if you were not like a man well I guess that brings us back to all of these celebrities that were part of it who many of which haven't commented on Gaza or any political issues that matter. Beyonce, for example, announced part two of Renaissance at this gig. And Mm -hmm. we've spoken about her before, how she's very explicitly not political in Mm. what she says or does. So the Super Bowl is a great gig for her and somebody like Taylor Swift as well. Isn't that so interesting? Because you'd think, I mean, I'm thinking of Annie Lennox now in her tribute to Sinead O'Connor at the Grammys saying, see Spy Now, because that's the kind of thing that Sinead O'Connor would have done. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, there is... Sorry, guys, you're going to be like, where the hell is she going with this? There is a exhibition on at the minute 
in the Tate Britain called Women in Revolt, which we want to go and see. And it's about like feminist women through the ages. And Moya Lothian McLean, friend of the podcast, went a few weeks ago and she did this like Twitter thread about it. And her and her mum were talking about how feminist women throughout the ages used to fight and stand up more. And now I think with this current wave of feminism, and I love it, don't get me wrong, I buy into it all, but there's ways in which people can frame Beyonce and Taylor Swift as feminist, but really like feminism is like women in revolt. It's standing up at something like the Super Bowl when you're about to perform and saying ceasefire now like that. It makes me want to cry that these things can happen, Mm. that these people have these stages and we've gone, gone so far into capitalism that people that are artists and artists are normally so closely tied into politics and mm-hmm. the political movements and are about the artists and the struggle and the pain and the world and whatever. And it's like, what dystopia are we living in? That that's the biggest platform. Can you like, the world could have been changed. Yeah, they're sitting happily like in ivory towers and... Yeah, their legions of fans, a lot of whom are women, are defending their their right not to say anything. It's, you know, women don't owe you anything and, and, you know, let them live and whatever. Like, they're not your puppets. No, they're not. But in a world like this world at such a crucial time, you would just ask, like, use just any one of your the many tools at your disposal to say something, even if it is your music. You know, do the thing that you're best at, write a song. But on a concert, even just, like, the bare bones, you would expect, and they're happily sitting there mute. Because I do agree. I often do that thing of saying, like, people don't owe us anything. But then when I was thinking about how much women risk, how they really were on the front lines, how they were revolting, how they were, like, yeah. fighting we're just too comfortable we actually do owe each other yeah. anything and if we want a world to live in if we want a just world we I want think that's a it. good world Agreed. we do owe each other everything and if you have more you give more and I just think they can't ask for anything in return our like devotion our money like our continued support if they aren't willing to do the same for us like yeah. the the collective us I just it does make me really angry and I caught myself being like amazing Beyonce's got this new album coming out I listened to the songs big country fan thought this is gonna be great because she's got a country album coming out and I just thought hang on, am I like missing the point? Should I need to like snap out of it? And like, I don't know, I, it's a whole thing feels like a mess. No, I I completely agree where you guys are coming from. And I completely see where you're saying it's kind of, it makes me feel sad that we could live in a world where everyone ultimately is like, well, I don't owe X person X thing. I want people to want to do something if they get that level of fame and that platform. I want there to be like a drive to be like, I want to make this world better. That's what I want. I want to believe human nature is intrinsically good. I think we've got to this level of, I think it's a point of empathy as people looking up to celebrities and going, oh, they don't ask anything. And I think I'm sure we've exercised that right as people in like semi in the public eye and thought, well, I don't owe people anything, whatever. At the same time, have we gone so far into this like neoliberal individualistic way Mm. of living that it's like, what materially would happen to Beyonce? Like we've just spoken about Janet Jackson being blacklisted, but could Beyonce is is an empire? Like could she couldn't if she said ceasefire now? That would have what would actually can you imagine? Like it would actually be in the US. I mean, I can't even imagine what would happen. No. And just to reiterate, sort of how huge this year's Super Bowl was. It is the most watched broadcast in the US since the nineteen sixty nine moon landing. And again, that was 123.4 million people watching this year. I mean, I can't imagine a more seismic event. So I or think- a platform. And a platform mm. that could have been used. Yeah. Should we break down a bit of what went on yeah, at the Super Bowl? because a lot happened because I, I think it'd be easier to list the people like that weren't there. <laughs> the people that were, like I, everyone was there. You had your 
she who must not be named you had lana del rey getting like knocked backwards in her seat in the celebrations did you see that tag yourself who you are because i was ice spice being explained the sport the whole way through that would have been me did you not see every single clip someone, someone was, was explaining to her like and that like you can see and she's like nodding but actually oh. has no idea she's there for the vibes who would you have been i would have been michael sarah in the super bowl campaign for cerave did you see that no it's, love CeraVe. Yeah, I mm. love CeraVe. Already use their products, but I think I would doubly use their products after this ad. It's just, it's just like somebody on mushroom designed so this. Good. Have they literally got him because his name is like half of the brand? Name? And yeah. like the point of the commercial is like him pitching himself. And he's like, I'm Michael CeraVe, <laughs> and this is my cream. Human skin is my passion. A terrible also, voice. At but what point that's isn't him. he having a massage by himself? I think as in so. like he's there's two of him, one on the <laughs> massage table, and then him massaging himself. Oh, I love him. And like as much as I anyone. Mean, the point of the Super Bowl as well, like they sell ad space for like the most incredible figures. So like people do say they watch it for the adverts, which is kind of dystopian, but also hilarious. Mm. That's how Beyonce in a Verizon commercial announced her next album. So it's like a huge thing, the ads, which Did is Did you realise that's on Wisteria Lane? <gasps> no way. I saw a tweet and they were like, it's Stop. on. Yeah, isn't that good? So it's funny, like I watched, I like didn't watch any of the coverage and people were like, oh, don't watch the football match, but do go and watch the adverts. I'm like, Jesus Christ, so we're living weird. in like so many layers of capitalism. Mm. It's just like the biggest American spectacle <laughs> that there possibly it could be, is, isn't, isn't it? it? Like people dress up to go as though it's any, it's about sport. Yeah. Um, you had like all the famous faces there. People probably dress up. Hayley Bieber, did you see she debuted her new chocolate syrup oh my god and people are like you mean brown (laughs) you mean brunette wait stop let me find a picture vogue i think it was vogue tweeted this not even that different from her hair before it was just just slightly browner and they were like chocolate honey syrup hair and you loves calling everything like sugar cream donut sugar plum fairy makeup yeah Yeah, everything is like glazed or saccharine sweet and blake lively was dressed like a cheerleader she was dressed like a cunty sue sylvester i saw like it's like it's so American and I'm not being disparaging towards Americans as a whole but as I a might concept be. I do think it's so saccharine it's so patriotic mm. it's so vulgar mm. in its display in of wealth sense. and like everything costs like tickets cost between 900 and 9,000 pounds and I'm, that's not even the boxes which cost like a million or something like for one of the Swedes it's bonkers it is bonkers i think bonkers is a really good word to use one of my favorite on like the flip side of things is watching i'm sure they're rage baiting but the videos of it's usually women being like i'm gonna make the stupid roll of snacks for my husband and his i've seen that and they have like a tub the size of a car and they fill it with like 85 kilos of nachos and then pour on like ketchup and then like like everything is from costco basically and everything is the size of a bathtub and they're just pouring it into this massive container then they like stir it with like a broomstick <laughs> and they're all like yummy perfect and I, I actually don't know if it's real because it, it's like it is believable I can't imagine there's a man like Homer Simpson inviting like 40 friends around his house <laughs> sorry I'm completely creating fleet caricatures out of oh Americans, they don't mind but we love you our American listeners we do know you are our second biggest listenership mm, we don't mean you we don't we do you. mean you yeah I think that must be rage big because I watch these as well and I'm like this is made to make me angry and sick and a bit hungry what's our equivalent like to the Super Bowl the Queen's funeral the Queen's any <laughs> oh the queue the queue the queue the queue <laughs> that's 
Chelsea winner was <laughs> our Super Bowl. The snooker? It actually was. It's the most patriotic we've ever been. It's a massive display of wealth. I, Everyone was dressed up in silly outfits. Morning. Hey, <laughs> I, I reject you saying we, unless you're talking French, not me. <laughs> oh, speaking of talking about, I actually went to Paris on the funeral song, so I don't want to be among the crowds. Anything that brings us together is misery, whereas the Americans throw a pigskin around. Do you think we're too bitchy and cross? Like, do you think we'd be happier if we were us, more... Oh, us like, three. Or... Us three and, the, and Brits. <laughs> we would like, Is how. it nice that they're so happy? <laughs> What's your personal Super Bowl? So mine is definitely each Real Housewives reunion right mm. at the end. Mm. That's my Super Bowl. What I would you? say, and it might be surprising coming from me, but I really like the Met Gala. I love <gasps> the gowns because there's so many interesting dresses. I do love, I do love the Met Gala. That is really good. I also do like the darts when it comes on. Oh. I don't like to get that excited about it, but I really enjoy darts. I actually can't think of anything that I look forward to that much. <laughs> <laughs> Misery bones over here. I definitely do. I love looking at the dresses of the, of the, at the Matt Gala. Yeah, I do. I just like anything where celebrities But the, I don't have a, you know how it's a saying, it's like, that's my Super Bowl or whatever. Like Football? I don't have an event. Sport. I'm not really into sports. A book, a single Maybe book is my Super Bowl. War and Peace. <laughs> Such pick me behaviour. I love books in reading. I love books, yeah. um, I don't know. I just don't think it's in my cultural DNA to get that exuberant. Even though I'm really excited for something, I'm like, whatever. So true. I'm the same. I feel like that's British culture now. Yeah. I feel like we're all quite dead <laughs> inside. <laughs> Sorry. The next big state funeral will be the next time we put on a spread, I think. <laughs> So we announced last week the book that we are going to be reading together, which is Penance by Eliza Clark. Da, 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 da. And obviously we have to read it. So have we started? Have we even got the book in our possession? I am five pages deep. So obviously racing through the book. Such and a hero. Yeah, really enjoying it, actually. I do not even own my copy yet. I haven't got my copy yet, but I, I'm getting Girls, on it. Mm-hmm, the deadline's approaching. I think this is, I'm going to spend this weekend reading. I've got like one work thing and then I'm going to sit on my little bony behind and I'm going to read probably the whole thing so yeah who's gonna be laughing then so yes reminder for you guys at home we're gonna be talking about this on the 8th of march friday the 8th so read along with us and we're gonna get really stuck into it then but yeah get a copy because that's not that long away or you can also if you don't read it on time the episode will be there for you forever so yeah good point no i think no we're gonna delete it you're gonna not be allowed (laughs) on the day you're not gonna be allowed to listen to the podcast anymore (laughs) or else you'll be in trouble with mummies (laughs) if you want to do any further reading on what we've spoken about today there will be links in the show notes as ever please do leave us a lovely review on apple Podcasts or on spotify or wherever you're listening it really helps other people to find the podcast and it also makes us feel happy when we have new reviews and we like to read them (laughs) and we smile and laugh And tell a friend, tell a colleague, tell a co-worker, tell a trusted <laughs> advisor, tell your enemy, tell everyone. Tell your MP listen. as well, actually. Tell your MP, yeah. yeah. <laughs> tell Among your other... bloody MP. There's <laughs> one thing you should do, it's that. Right, wrap this up. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.